Hello and welcome back to the Next Stage podcast by Web Summit. My name is Luke and today we're taking you inside the minds of business and cultural leaders from around the globe. It's Tuesday, so we're looking at some of the best and brightest minds that CollisionConf has to offer. So sit back, relax and listen in. We'll be hearing from leading minds and industry giants from all over the planet. Hey, Ashley. I'm so excited to have you today. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. So for those who don't know Ashley Flowers, she's kind of the, the queen of podcasting. Um, she's the co-founder, the, yes, the queen, the co-founder and CEO of Audio Chuck and the creator and co-host of the popular podcast, Crime Junkie. So Crime Junkie launched in 2017 and you've, you've gotten over 30 million um, downloads a month, over half a billion since you launched. Ashley, tell us your secrets. What, what do you think has led to your success? You know, I think it's, it's a combination of, of, of message and consistency and quality. When we came in, you know, and I say this to everyone, like the days of just like two people coming into podcasting and like chit chatting are kind of over. Like there's there's Clubhouse, there's stereo for that stuff. Like we came in with very clear storytelling in a space that we were really passionate about. And I think that really comes through. And we were doing something that no one else was doing, whether people recognize it or not. You know, when I came into this, I came in as a fan of podcasting and I was looking for a very specific formatted show that did not exist. And so we came in filling a need, filling a space that wasn't there, which I think is really important. Even though we came into true crime podcasting, which there was a lot of true crime podcasting uh, podcasts when we came in, I always tell people, look for what's missing. Don't just redo the same thing. Find your niche. And so Britt and I found that niche in the format that we have, this very straightforward storytelling with really one narrator and a co-host who really is there made to represent the audience. And since the beginning, December 2017, like I said, the second part of that is consistency. You know, we have had a couple of planned Mondays off, but we have never missed an upload Monday morning, 3 a.m. Eastern time. People expect that from us. They expect that from any podcast that they're coming to. They want to know when they can find you. They don't want to be surprised. They they want to depend on you. That's the beauty of podcasting. It's this very like special medium that you can have a bond with your audience, with your fans in a way that I don't think you can have in TV or even radio. And they want to rely on you. And then finally, the last one is is quality. I think that we have quality content, quality audio. Um, That's like one of the number one things I tell people coming brand new into this space is there's over 2 million podcasts now. So the days of just like recording directly into your Mac in your kitchen that's echoing is kind of over. We, We invested early on in not really expensive equipment, but like real mics, we recorded in really quiet spaces. So our audio quality has improved over three years, but even from the beginning, it wasn't awful. And I think now for people coming in, you know, look at the top 50 podcasts, the top 100 podcasts, your quality has to meet that because if yours won't, a listener will find someone else's who does. Yeah, no, you know, as a reporter, I think over the last couple of years, I mean, everybody has a podcast, every entrepreneur, every CEO. I mean, the world has exploded, as you know. Um, but 
let's talk about the content. You don't just, you know, people are chatting on Clubhouse nowadays, but you really put time and effort and formulate a script. Tell me about the, the appointment, the, the, the importance of that and how much time you really take to put together a podcast. Yeah, one of our episodes, you know, we have a whole team now. When we started, it was it was just me and Britt and then sometimes my brother who could help out. But now, you know, every single episode takes 60 hours of people's time. And that's just putting together the content. We're not even talking about how we push it out and market it. Um, gathering all of our source material, recording, editing. We want the narrative flow to be there. We don't want the rabbit holes and the sidetracks. I, I want good narrative storytelling. And more than anything, I think what has resonated with our listeners that has been so important to us since the beginning is the advocacy piece. Um, in true crime specifically, like I really want us to be kind of the thought leaders in how we take this, not just to entertainment, but like to the next level. How do we get our listeners to participate? What can we be doing to advocate and to further the cases that we talk about? And I think that kind of goes back to like what makes the show so special. And I think what would make anyone looking to start a podcast really special is you can't just go in and say, oh, I see true crimes really hot right now. I'm going to make a true crime podcast. If you don't really care, I think I think the listeners can tell like that's what they're that's what they're sniffing out. Like that's part of the secret sauce Brit and I have is we deeply care about the stories we're telling. You can't fake that. So I think it's important to whatever industry or, or genre you're going into, making sure that you are doing something that you truly have that passion for is so special. Yeah. So now that you have four years under your belt, like what, what mistakes have you made? Like if you could go back to your 2017 self, um, what would you, what would you tell her? And for people who are just launching their podcast now, um, what advice would you give them? So it's actually only three years where we're still still figuring it out. But the number one thing that I think we, our biggest mistake, the thing that I really messed up is I always tell people I treated this like a business from the beginning. It wasn't a hobby that turned into a business. I, I wanted it to be a business from day one. The biggest mistake I made, though, was not bringing in enough resources to support that business. You know, for the first year and a half, it was just me, just Brit. And like I said, my brother who was in college helping us edit. And so we were spread so thin trying to do everything that goes into this while working full time. And back then we weren't able to leave our jobs quite yet. And so that's something that even now we're still like have the effects of that we're still like in that ripple effect because we grew so fast and that as we're trying to build our team, you know, we're a team of 12 internally now with some contractors, but we're still growing so fast that almost like our hiring can't keep up with it. And I really, really wish in those first, you know, six months, that first year that we would have gotten more people into the business to help us run it. And so we wouldn't be even here where we are now trying to get people in to keep up with the momentum. Yeah. So how, how do you monetize your podcast? What advice do you have on making it profitable? So for our podcast, um, again, our goal is to reach like the most amount of people as possible. So the one thing I, I hear a lot from people is it, about monetization is, you know, I have this podcast that's about this, like it's a spinoff of my business or it's like about this specific niche. And those are monetized in a totally different way. So 
I just want to make that clear. When we're talking about monetization. It's for a crime junkie that's trying to reach the masses. And really, our, our monetization comes mostly from ad sales and from our fan club revenue. And really, one of the, the best tips I can give someone is really dialing in whatever that fan club can be early on, that subscription service, tapping into your audience. Because for those people who aren't in podcasting, it can take a long time for that ad revenue to be meaningful or even when it's meaningful to actually get in your pocket. So from the time you actually get advertisers, you read the ad, the campaign goes through, the money's in your pocket. I mean, you're talking months. And it was that fan club, that subscription revenue directly from our listeners that made the business sustainable. And I think that piece is so important. Yeah. So, you know, your background is in uh, biomedical research. You know, you kind of just like jumped into it. How did you build an audience? You know, it is with the engagement. Like I can't stress that piece enough um, I, I said a little bit earlier, podcasting is this super special medium. It's so intimate, um, especially with the format that Britt and I had, right, where she is the audience. We're with them in the bathtub. We're with them in, on their drive to work, on their walk with their dog, and really engaging with our audience, replying to all the emails, replying to all the DMs, finding a way to, to interact with them and not have this just be a one-way thing. So much of our growth has been word of mouth. And I think that's been super important because you can advertise to people for days and days and days. I mean, it takes, I, I think the latest thing I heard is someone has to see something new, what, seven, eight times before they'll try it out. But if I can get their best friend to say, oh my gosh, you have to listen to Crime Junkie, that's going to go a lot farther. The other piece that I tell people in podcasting specifically is advertise or cross promote with other podcasts. So many people, not a lot, we're getting better and better. Podcasting is becoming more accepted or, or you know, better known. But um, there's still a group of people who've never listened to a podcast. So when you're first starting, don't bother advertising to them or trying to market to them. Market to the people who are already in this space, who are already consuming it, already see the value in it. Yeah. How, how are you, what advice do you have for maintaining your success? I mean, obviously... <clears throat> Right now, podcasting is all the talk. We got um, Harry and Megan, we got the Obamas, like everyone's jumping in the game. Do you think this is going to um, affect, um, you know, podcasting? What do you, what do you make of all the noise and how do you still um, weed it out and focus on um, maintaining your growth? So there is a lot of noise, but I think that's a good thing. Like the more we get the the Megans and the Harrys and the Obamas, again, that this is what is legitimizing podcasting and what is making other people pay attention to podcasting and to get to the point where we can advertise to everyone because everyone's heard of podcasting. Everyone has one podcast that they love. So I love the attention that they're bringing to the industry. I think that... With that, for people who are brand new coming in, what that means for newer shows and newer networks is it's going to get harder and harder to get noticed. Really, the industry is moving. It's starting to remind me a lot of TV where there are these big networks, there are these bigger stakeholders, and it's getting more like centralized. So for us, though, I think it's not not staying still for too long. I don't want our content to get stale. So... I hope when people hear us every Monday, it sounds effortless, like we're just telling a story, but there's so much work going on behind the scenes of 
trying to figure out how do we stay top of mind? How do we reinvent our content? How do we engage with fans in a new way? Like what we're always asking, like what is the next thing? So that way we stay top of mind. If we were to just, you know, show up every Monday, do the exact same thing and, and not put any thought into that, I, I think we would disappear as these bigger, newer, fresher shows are coming in. So constantly trying to reinvent yourself, not reinvent the wheel. People come for certain content, but trying to find something new and something fresh to keep surprising and delighting your listeners. That's important. Yeah. What, what do you see a lot of um, pod, mistakes podcasters make? I mean, for me, I, I noticed, you know, they just go on and they don't really have a flow of what they're talking about, which, um, you know, can really affect the listener and things like that. What, what mistakes do you see? I think it goes back to the three things I said that have made us successful, the, the message consistency and quality. Um, I, I've come across some podcasts recently where the quality, again, is I think, you know, it sounds like someone's talking on their like old Bob Barker from like 2002 Mike and there it's just there's no excuse for that anymore. So I think that not investing that $60 to get a good microphone and sitting in your closet is is an easy mistake that can, is fixable. Um, to your point, not having a very clear message, um, just going on and, and rambling, unless you are a famous person who people will pay to just like hear you ramble or that's what they want. If you don't have that following, that was something that Britt and I struggled with. Like no one knew who we were. We were two girls in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. So they weren't coming to hear us like go way off track. We had to come with like a real story. And then again, that consistency, I've subscribed to podcasts and then unsubscribed because I hadn't heard from them in months and I, they didn't say they were taking a hiatus and I don't know if they're ever coming back. And I think those are still the, the things that I see that are, are the mistakes that lose listeners so fast, but are just so easy to fix. Yeah. Do you remember your like light bulb moment where you wanted to launch Crime Junkie and what kind of like pushed you to do it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Britt and I were like having margaritas at our favorite Mexican restaurant. Um, but it was kind of a combination of everything. Um, I was on the board of directors for my local Crime Stoppers, and I had actually been doing a local radio show. No one knew what Crime Stoppers was, or at least no one my age. And I partnered with a local radio station to do this little segment uh, for Crime Stoppers where I would say, hey, I'm going to come on and tell a story. And in exchange, you advertise for Crime Stoppers. And that really took off. So that was like the first thing that that told me, you know, biological sciences me like, oh, maybe I can maybe I can tell a story. And up until that point, I obviously got into podcasting how many people did when Serial became very big in 2014. And so for three years, I had been consuming so much and me and Britt talked about so much. And we kept feeling like this one show that we wanted to find was missing or we couldn't find it. And so once I realized that that I could tell the story, I kind of approached her and I was like, hey, what if what if we stop waiting for that thing we want to be made? And what if we just make it? Um, so, I mean, from the time we had the idea, this is the thing about about me personally is like I don't stop and think like I just do. So I think we had the idea in the end of September. I registered for my business in October and we launched the podcast in December. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And, you know, one of my last questions is. Obviously, the stuff you're reporting on, you're, you're, I mean, these people are going through the most trying time of their lives. And, you know, as a journalist, I mean, how how important is the fact checking and, you know, every line that you say, especially when you're dealing with something that is so sensitive? 
You know, it's it's interesting because we are we're not doing original reporting. What we're doing is is giving people the crime junkie experience. Is if I were to go out and and consume all of this, like what's the story that I hear from other outlets? And it's wild how much there is, there can be conflicting information. And so we try and do a really good job of saying like if if we're reading two different things, here, here's where we read them. You know, we don't we don't know which is correct. But at the end of the day, like what we try and hone in on, usually that stuff is time. It happened at, you know, five minutes or five minutes later, five minutes earlier. I think the core of the story we're able to get through through actually documented police records and making sure those facts are correct is really important. But more than anything, you know, the facts are correct, but what we're trying to do is advocate as well. So when you talk about this is the worst time in someone's life we are talking about. Um, that has been our mission from the beginning is how do we change this from just being like entertainment for people to actually allowing people to participate. So we've, we've partnered with our listeners to do fundraisers for the DNA Doe project. Like we just got to announce like in the last couple of months that a fundraiser we did with them over a year ago actually resulted in the DNA Doe project being able to identify does. And last year we're still working on it. We've been working on our own foundation to to fund genealogy as being such a big part of solving cold cases these days. So for me, it's it's not only telling the story and making sure we're doing it in a way that is respectful, but how are we advancing it? Are, are we just telling the story and telling everyone, okay, go have a good day? Or are we giving them a chance to actually like advance this case? And I think that's what being a crime junkie really is, is we all have this desire to be the cold case detective, but I will never have the skills to be a cold case detective. So I want to be able to provide a way for our listeners to feel like they have an impact in some way. Yeah, awesome. So so lastly, what's next for you? What are you working on? How are you, um, you know, growing? Uh, so back to like the fan engagement piece, like that has been our focus for the last year is how do we engage our fans in a new way? And so one of the big things that we've been working on for the last like nine months is our brand new fan club app. So we're going to be launching it this summer and it's going to allow our fans to consume our content, our wide release content, our bonus content in a whole new way. Um, and I think what's really special about it is there's lots of subscription audio platforms out there. This is a true fan club site where they can engage with us, where they can engage with one another, where they can, like I said, consume the content in a different way. And I'm so excited. We're actually partnering with Patreon. So they'll be doing the payment processing. So if everyone who's in our Patreon now, it's going to be this like seamless transition. And I think everyone who hasn't joined yet is going to have a whole new experience. And I'm really excited to share with them. Awesome. So Ashley, you have any last minute tips, maybe a pep talk for people who are just about to launch their own podcast? Yeah, the one thing I would say is if, if you haven't, if you're thinking about it, if you're on the brink, like stop waiting. That is the best advice I can give people. Like I said, this is getting to be a bigger and bigger industry. There's over 2 million podcasts now, thousands getting added every single day. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to get in, to get noticed, to monetize. So stop waiting, do it. Have that margarita and just go. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, guys, just do it. Work for the podcast queen. Um, thanks again. And back to Toronto. Thanks for listening. 
And if you want to hear more about these topics firsthand, or you want to let us know what you want to hear, be sure to check us out on any of our social media accounts or visit websummit.com. That's websummit.com.